This is In The Zone. They all want to know what's causing all this. In St. Louis, the talk of the NFL, a talk of professional football, is alive and well again. Now you got you got Benjamin Albright and, and Albert Breer on the air in St. Louis radio talking about the possibility of football coming to St. Louis. But why is this happening? You know why? Because Derek King sparked the conversation. On the In the Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide, you are listening to the In the Zone Network. This is Welcome to the Price Check Podcast. It's your host, Josh Price, checking in here live from the In The Zone Network, sponsored by the In The Zone Store. Got my man Arlington A-Train Lane with me today here on the show. Arlington, how we doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm just glad to be on uh, the debut edition of the Price the Check. The debut. Yeah. The debut, man. We live in an action, man. So, uh, really quick few topics that we want to cover today, first being the Russell Westbrook to Houston uh, trade. Big news that came out here a couple weeks back, didn't really get a chance to touch on it in a moment, so we'll touch on that today. Uh, also, we'll just talk about some different winners and losers from this offseason now that everything has kind of quieted down uh, here on the NBA front. And also, uh, kind of last but not least, talking about Zion Williamson's Jumpman deal here, uh, seven years, $75 million. So, um, 75 years, man. <laughs> 75. <laughs> man, getting paid, broke off, as they say, all about the Benjamins. So, uh, first things first, though, Russell Westbrook to Houston, uh, traded for Chris Paul, OKC, uh, also receiving a pick swap in 2021, I believe in 2027, uh, and first round unprotected picks in 2024 and 2026. So, I'm going to be honest, my first reaction to this trade was I hated it for both sides, (laughs) and that's me being real so I didn't really understand what OKC was getting out of it outside of the picks it's like you know y'all are in rebuilding mode y'all don't need Chris Paul um understanding though that they had to make the money work somehow that's the best way to do it for Houston I don't or initially didn't understand how you put the two players with the highest usage rates in NBA history not just last season not just the past three years NBA history you put those two together and you expect that to work when you just had a pure point guard next to James Harden and that didn't work. So now, having taken some time to step back and think on it, um, while I still don't necessarily like it for OKC, I do now realize that Houston is in a much better spot having Russell Westbrook versus having Chris Paul. At the end of the day, you got two MVPs on the same team. You take the chance and you try to make it work. Here's the thing about that, man. Two alphas you got on this squad. You got James Harden. You got Russell Westbrook, man. And my thing is James Harden has been a a distributor on the ball. Westbrook also has been as well. So then when the game is on the line, who is going to take that last shot? Is it going to be Russ? Is it going to be James? And you got to understand, you're in a Dan Tony offense, so you're not going to play a lot of defense no. either. No, not at so, all. I mean, that is going to be the – this always has been for Dan Tony, no matter where he's coached, right. is that defense is – he's going to have to figure something out for them to – 
get anywhere close to getting to the NBA Finals. But for this core group that they have on paper, it looks wonderful. Yeah. You know, I like the looks of it, man. This is something that uh, Houston hasn't seen in a long time. They haven't had a, a, a combo punch since Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon back in the 80s. Right. You know what I mean? And that's from a uh, big man standpoint, not from a small guard standpoint. They haven't had that at all. The last person you heard about that was a big time score before James Harden at the point guard position was Calvin Murphy. And that's taking you back all the way to 1981. Yeah. You know, when back. they reached the finals then, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> That's it's profound, and you know, with the, but it's just been crazy now with these duos, you know, that that's coming in in the mix. You know, the uh, this in this case, Harden and Westbrook. But it's gonna be interesting to see how well those two can play together in a whole different city. Yeah, now and they're not in Oklahoma City. Yeah, that, and that's the point I was gonna get to. Like, you know, everybody kind of falls back on, okay, well, they played together before, but. Let's be honest, when they played together before, part of the problem in them not winning was people thinking that Harden needed to have the ball in his hand over Westbrook. Now you're basically putting yourself in the same position again here when Westbrook has already won an MVP, has averaged a triple-double three years in a row. Why would he feel like, okay, now I need to share the ball more than I did before? Like, there's no <laughs> there's no, no reason for him to think that. There's no, no thought process that should lead him to believe, okay, I need to play second fiddle now. He did come out and say in the press conference that he's willing to sacrifice and do what's needed to win a championship. But, and Arlington, you can give me your opinion on this too, I think even as currently constituted, Houston's ceiling is probably like the three or four seed in the West. Yeah, and I agree with that. You know, uh, maybe, maybe even number two. But then again, you don't know because now the West is kind of shuffled now. Yeah. Because the Warriors team has kind of broken up a bit, and a lot of their players are now on other teams. Right now, the, the the good look on paper is the Clippers and the Lakers, and you know you can't even though you can't miss like I said you can't miss out the Warriors, but it, it seems like a jumbled mix now. It's not going to be the Warriors on top, and if it does, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> right? Uh, because you won't have Clay Thompson, you know, for a long period of the season. Um, Iggy. Uh, hasn't got his way out yet, but he's on his way out. And um, you have Draymond and Steph. It's going to be interesting to see how they play out, you know, coming into the, you know, and coming to the next season. And with Harden and Westbrook, I, I just can't, I just can't see them coexisting, you know, yeah. coexisting together with them, you know, both how they are. They're alpha males. They both want to win. I know Rush does because yeah. he put his all in it when he was in Oklahoma City. James falters a bit when he gets into the playoffs. So it's like, will that be the boost that uh, he needs is from Russ instead of Chris Paul? You know, that's going to be the question that comes into the 2019-2020 season with this group. Yeah, so I think one, one part that I feel like a lot of people are also missing out on is that while they did basically upgrade Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook, there wasn't a lot of other upgrades around the rest of the roster. Like, granted, you still have Clint Capella, you still have P.J. Tucker, you still have Eric Gordon, but those guys thrive when the ball is moving. Mm-hmm. And now you have two guys who really are just going to be, you know, kind of deflating the ball themselves in ISO, you know, ISO mode. So, um, real interesting to see how that whole situation plays out with uh, Houston this year. Um, 
touching on it real quick on the opposite end of this, OKC and Chris Paul, you know, I kind of feel bad in a way for Chris Paul. Um, he left money on the table to make sure that he got out of L.A. to go to Houston. Uh, wanted to win a championship and, and, you know, being quite honest, if he doesn't injure a hamstring, they may have been able to get to a finals here, you know, two years ago. Uh, last year, they lose to Kevin Durant. Well, I guess the Warriors without Kevin Durant at the end of that series. Um, and then, you know, next thing you know, he's traded after being told that he wouldn't be. So, um, you know, I think it, it's a situation where he is now kind of in a rock and a hard place going to OKC. And then, you know, OKC now having to look at it as can we even flip him this year? I don't even think, man, this, you know, now that Durant is in the East and, you know, he's sitting out a whole year, but this changed the whole landscape. It, it's for your boy, believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. to actually run with it and take it. Yeah. But the primary issue for that group is can the two Kentucky guys remain healthy? Yeah. That's yeah. going to be the key, the key here. Yeah. And LeBron is going into his... Um, 17th year? 17th season. Yeah. Age 35 in December. years, yeah. 35 years of age. Can he maintain it at a high level? Really, he doesn't have to. Yeah. But he likes to do that because that's how he played. You know, granted, it, he's, I think now he should take plays off, not like how he did previously. <laughs> right. I think now he can be able to take some plays off when he don't have to be as dominant as much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for those of y'all just joining us, you are listening to the debut episode of the Price Check Podcast here on the In the Zone Network, uh, live with Arlington, the A Train Lane of the A Train Show, also sponsored by In the Zone and the In the Zone Store. Um, talking through, uh, you know, kind of the landscape of the West, um, you kind of got the Clippers and the Lakers here at the top, and then everybody else. Um, if you had to give a dark horse right now in the West, who would you say that is? A true dark horse. Wow. If I look at the teams that's out there now, it, of course, got to be the Sacramento Kings. Okay. You know, okay. because they are they are just uh, a step or two away from actually getting into the eight seed, seven seed area. But now it looks like they could be a cinch for it if they all remain healthy and play well, yeah. uh, because they shown flashes last season. You know, you got to play up Willie Pauline, uh, Darren Fox. You know, those young, that young nucleus is what the Kings need to get back to prominence, man. And they would love to get that new arena oh, yeah. back loud again like it was back at old Arco Arena back in the late 90s and uh, early 2000s, man, when they were selling out with the days of Chris Webber, uh, Mike Bibby, and those guys, Clyde yeah. Ebock, and all them, man. I mean, they would love to get back to that stage again. Oh, yeah. I think they will do that next season. Um, so, my thought with the Kings, I think that De'Aaron Fox is definitely going to go up another level. Um, really like him as a player. He's just, you know, the prototype point guard. Mm-hmm. Plays defense, distributes the ball, knows how to pick his spots on offense. I think if anything, the one nitpick I have with them is some of their offseason moves. Like, granted, you signed Trevor Reza, you signed Dwayne Dedman, but did you really have to pay the price that you did for him? You, yeah. And, and you got to think about the culture of the league, though. Yeah. The culture of the league is role players are going to get paid. True. And just think about um, was it Danny Green 
the Lakers. Yeah. I'm like. 15 million a year. We, you know. Danny Green. Yeah. I, I felt that way with uh, Corey Joseph some years ago. Oh, yeah. When he got a 50-something million dollar deal. And for four years, I'm like, who? Corey Joseph? <laughs> but they paid. The, the thing is, the culture, the culture now is they're going to get paid. You're going to have Steph Curry at $40 million a year. You're going to have Chris Paul, who's the next three seasons is going to get paid $40-plus million. You know, you're going to have Kevin Durant getting paid $40-plus million. James Harden the same way. That is the culture of the league now. It's going to be eight figures for a guy that's coming in off the bench. Yeah. So that is nothing new. Yeah. yeah. And so now, you know, they may not have made the big moves, but you need to make solid ones. You need to fill pieces in so that way you can become more of a playoff team and more of a playoff contender. And, you know, they need some individuals over in the Kings, you know, to, to help with Marvin Bagley and the, the other members that we mentioned. Yeah. You know, that is what's going to take for them to be becoming a playoff team and staying out of the lottery. True. Very true. So, uh, I think for me, at, at least just in how I've observed this offseason play out, the, the one team, weirdly enough, that I would kind of throw in that dark horse category is the Warriors. Because and the reason I'm saying this, I don't again, I don't think that they're going to win the West by any means. Uh, but a lot of people in the media have talked about, oh, well, they're probably going to miss the playoffs or, at, you know, at best be a seven or eight seed. There is a scenario this year where with Draymond Green playing in the contract year, we know how guys operate in those situations. Mm-hmm. Steph having one last chance to go back into like MVP mode. Um, and being able to show that. Um, I don't know how the fit will work with D'Angelo Russell, but you do have a talented 23-year-old player that you did not have before that, you know, can shoot. He can play with the ball in his hand. He can play off the ball. You can experiment with that. Um, They got Willie Cauley-Stein from Sacramento. Um, Oh, forgive me. (laughs) No, they, I mean, you know, they, they kind of, retooled in a way where they have a little bit more depth than than what they had previously um and you know they still have the infrastructure there to be a contending you know consistently winning team now the part that is going to be tricky for them at least through whatever time period clay thompson is out is how they play defense uh, because they don't have the ability on the perimeter anymore to hide stuff they don't have um you know, the the perimeter lockdown defender for your, you know, LeBron James's or your Kawhi Leonard's, you know, Paul George, those types of guys out west. So that's probably the big question mark. But, you know, who's to say that, you know, as the season gets rolling, if Clay can come back, let's say, around the All-Star break, that they get hot towards the end of the year and get to maybe like a five or six seed. Um, yeah, it, I mean. It, it's in play. It is in play, and you still have to, no matter what, you have to remember that the Warriors are the, the team of the West. You know, no matter how you want to slice it, it doesn't matter. As long as they can get one of them eight spots in the playoffs, they're still a dangerous team. Yeah. No matter what, as much as we want to count them out because of offseason moves and things like that, they still are the Western Conference champions from the previous year. And so the same can be said for the Toronto Raptors, and they are the NBA champions. Yep. It's like 
you just lost your finals MVP. <laughs> what do you do from that point forward? But at the end of the day, the banner is going to be raised in Toronto. True. And letting everybody know that just because we lost our MVP, we still the NBA champs no matter what. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, now switching over to the East and, and talking through uh, some of the teams out there. Milwaukee still as formidable as always with Giannis and you know players that surround him. Um, saying this offseason that he's only about 60% of where he could potentially be as an NBA player sounds a little bit scary to me. Um, also getting Kyle Corbin spending about eight hours on uh, social media the other day shooting jumpers with him, that's a, a scary sight for the rest of the league. <laughs> so uh, Milwaukee's definitely going to be in contention. I like the moves that the 76ers made this offseason. Um, I think if I had to just pick one big loser out east, and, and sorry to pick on y'all, but New York Knicks, I'm sorry. It's just, yeah, you know. You, yeah, you know. I won't spend too much time on it because it, it's kind of a, a dead giveaway, but yeah. you had aspirations for Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and you came away with Julius Randle and Bobby Portis. So, <laughs> <laughs> not, not too much else that needs to be said, but um, if we kind of, you know, on the same dark horse topic that we were before, I think the one team in the east that i like that probably won't make a ton of noise um but i do like the moves they made were the indiana pacers um you went out and got another guard that can play alongside of uh, victor oladipo when healthy um he's going to come back this season motivated uh, you know malcolm brogdon showed in the playoffs that you know he was pretty much the bucks second best player when it got to the eastern conference finals correct so, you know, he's a guy with some talent that wants to prove that he has some staying power in the league. Uh, I like them getting Jeremy Lamb as a bench, you know, wing. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with their bigs with Miles Turner and Sabonis. I guess play them together for now, but, you know, time will tell you still have the flexibility to move one if you need to. But I think they'll probably be in, you know, that conversation for anywhere between three and five in the East. Um, and, you know, could be interesting come the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um. It's always great when you get a player like Oladipo back on your roster. Man. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, Indiana was, it's all, some crazy reason, they've always been a fun team to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, even when the days of Paul George was around, you know, when they were there, it was a fun team to check out. And uh, Oladipo is, is an all-star. You know, it's like he's right there on the cusp of being a superstar. Yeah. You know, but... It's just like they they still can't find that punch where they can get past the second round. Right. You know, that's what's been the crazy thing. I want to speak a bit, a little bit about these boys here. Yes, sir. <laughs> Chicago boys, Bulls. Here's what I'm so un, unhappy about. I want you to look and see, as we're looking at the board right now. Yep. One, two, three, <laughs> four. Let's keep going over here. Five, six, seven, eight point guards. What in the blue? <laughs> And gold and red hell, do they have eight point guards for? You know, I, the Bulls are, I think, finally realizing that no matter how big our market technically is, that we probably just aren't going to get big time free agents to come take our money. <laughs> and, you know, they. They have eight point guards. Chris Dunn is probably going to get moved at some point, I would Praise guess. Um, he hasn't really done anything worth keeping his roster spot. Praise if you ask. God. <laughs> <laughs> Keep speaking to <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I do like Kobe White out of out of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know that Zach Levine is truly your point guard. No, he's, he, not, he's a two guard. He, he's really a two guard. He, okay, even with that said, let's consider him a two guard. One, two, <laughs> which he should be moved as yeah. well. And then you got three, four, and five. Yeah. Five shooting guards. <laughs> I mean, why? Why do Why do you have that many? It, I, I, and I've actually met Denzel Valentine. It's crazy. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, our came to St. Louis, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, "You need to be gone, bro. I'm Chicago. Oh, me too. I'm like, dude, you, you don't fit that mold, and you need to find a place where you can fit in. And Chicago just ain't that place for him. No. Uh, haven't really heard much of Chandler, Chandler Hutchinson a bit. Uh, Good, grateful for having Jakar Sampson, uh, but some of them guys got to be moved, man. Yeah, like or playing with the Windy City Bulls, <laughs> the D League, right? You know what I'm saying, uh, I'm, I'm like, man, they, they need bigs, man. And and Wendell Carter and uh, my man Laurie is not enough no. marketing. They're not enough, man. No. And, and I was I was scratching my head, but I was like, okay, Thaddeus Young, okay. Maybe make some sense. Otto Porter, Otto Porter, uh, Porter Jr. is probably going to be the stud of this team. Yeah. Other than Laurie, you know what I mean? Because he can bring score and punch to the table. You know, they're going to need it. Of and course. I just hope that if they, if they do decide to move him, you need to get some good pieces out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Porter is going to be your stud of this of this group. So, and it's a shame. <laughs> it's a damn shame with uh, – these guys, Gar Packs, do. I've been wanting them fired for a long Man, time. Man, they've been they've been operating on the cheap for years now. <laughs> I think when they lost out on Carmelo Anthony some years ago, yep, that kind of ended all of that free agent drama where they can bring in uh, anybody to come to Chicago. Man, you know, for a long time. If we go back real quick to from '99 until. Uh, what was that? What was it, Anthony? Free agent crazy. 2010, 2011. Yep. From that time period, you have possibilities on. Get this: Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, mind you, okay. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Those are six big key free agents, and not one of them signed with the Bulls. You came away with Carlos Boozer. The song <laughs> consolation prizes, yeah. You keep pulling up, and Boozer was the biggest heist by far that the Bulls have pulled off. Man, they he let them rip, he ripped them to shreds. Oh, yeah, 72 million dollars on however much it was, and did nothing zero. Showed up with the fake hair. <laughs> That's it. How in the world you playing sitting down in the fourth quarter of games and you letting your bench player, Taj Gibson, that was. Get more minutes than you. It showcased that he was not the guy that they had signed when they thought he came out of Utah. He was an all-star right. in Utah. But my thing is that with the Chicago Bulls is that, and I'm sorry I'm getting a tangent on it, but my thing is, dude, Garpax has to go. If they don't handle, if they don't get them out of there, they will never, ever, ever reach promise ever again. Ever again. Ever again. So, uh, again, for y'all who are just joining us, this is the debut episode of the Price Check Podcast, sponsored by the In the Zone Network and the In the Zone Store. Uh, joined by Arlington A Train Lane of the A Train Show, also sponsored by the In the Zone Network and the In the Zone Store. 
Kind of last but least to, to wrap this thing up a little bit, uh, Zion Williamson, number one overall pick in the draft of the New Orleans Pelicans, reached a deal this week um, with Jumpman and, and got his shoe deal. <laughs> Seven years, $75 million. Um, initial reaction to this was get paid, young black man, get paid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, secure the bag. Um, little surprised that it was Jumpman rather than Nike. Um, I can understand it though after the whole blowing out the shoe incident at Duke. So um, good for him that he got his deal. My only concern with this, as somebody who has just observed basketball over the last few years and watched these shoe deals, you can't really point to anybody else that's been under that Jordan brand Jumpman signature shoe line. Uh, that has really succeeded at having a signature shoe outside of Michael Jordan. So if you're Zion, how do you separate yourself in that situation? Uh, Because one, as we've also seen in years past, it's a little bit harder for guys who are considered bigs to sell shoes versus guys who are guards. Um, And again, you know, Jumpman, they've had Russell Westbrook, they've had Chris Paul, they've had Carmelo Anthony. Um, you know, the list goes on, but none of those guys have shoes that we're running out to go get. So, how does Zion then step in and say, okay, here's my shoe, this is the one that you want? That's like, when, would you go out getting the Shaqs? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. And I'm, I love Shaq to death. Yeah, Never will step foot in this shoe. It's difficult, man. It's yeah. real difficult. And I just, I, I'm, I'm really seeing the word bust under Zion, man. I really am. Because um, that injury that he had against Carolina, <laughs> but my boy won, so I had to. Be <laughs> but my thing is, when he had that, that kind of it, it surprised me. You know what I'm saying? And that, you know, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm hoping, I really do hope that he has a wonderful and pers- uh, uh, a great career. Is what I'm trying to get at. I hope he does. But the way I'm leaning, it's not looking promising, man. You know. I mean, he's going to be great in New Orleans, but it's like, is it going to be just like four seasons? Or will it be 10? I don't think he's going to last in New Orleans either. So I, I'm i a little torn on this because I am definitely somebody who's rooting for Zion. Um, you know, he is weirdly enough one of those one and done guys that actually did benefit from his one year at college mm-hmm. versus some of these other guys because if we rewind back to him on the you know highlight reels in high school, you just knew him as a dunker. You didn't know him as anything else. He showed at Duke that he has the ability to play both ends of the floor, um, you know, be able to go out and create his own shot, maybe not a great jump shooter, but be able to get to the rim at will, be able to do multiple things on the basketball court. Um, now, the scary part is that we don't know what he's gonna do weight-wise. Uh, <laughs> That, you know, he showed up a little bit out of shape to the one summer league game that he played, got a little bit of a, a, you know, got nicked up, I guess, in that game and then sat out the remainder of summer league. So not what you want to see if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan or if you're just a Zion fan. Um, But I do think that his ceiling, if he can get to it, is a lot higher than some of the recent one-and-done guys that we've seen. Um, a lot of people are comparing him to, like, you know, the Blake Griffins of the world who kind of came in with a lot of this hype but really just, you know, sustained kind of medium star level. 
Um, I think he's going to be a better overall player than Blake Griffin if stay if he stays healthy and can maintain the weight. Um, but that is a really big if mm-hmm. based on what we've seen so far. Exactly. And so I'm afraid, man. Like once you had like uh, when Blake had went out for the first year, and then the next season, you know, he wound up winning Rookie of the Year. I mean, if you had to shut the guy down for a year, man, it's not gonna be. Uh, a great thing for New Orleans because you know they're trying to sell tickets. Right. You know, but you got to think about this kid's health. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is to be detrimental to his health. Just ask Kevin Durant. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> well, right now. And so, you know, think about it. It's, if you need to shut him down so that way he can really build himself up to get him back to playing weight. What the, what you get him for? Well, you got him because you think that's that's your future. Right. That's the point of you getting him. Right. And so, if you're going to invest in him, then at this point, you just may need to shut him down. That's just me personally. Yeah. And a lot of people feel like he should just go out there and play. If that was the case, I said Coach K should have sat him down after that after that incident with the game against Carolina. He should have never played in the tournament. He never did, but we got to see some greatness out of him. Right. He should have never played then. Then when he got into the summer league, then he got hurt again. They now they shut him down. See, that was a time where he progressed, and then probably he'd be playing in the summer league. Yeah. Very That's true. not the case. Very true. So, um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out for New Orleans and Zion Williamson. Um, at the very least, he's got $75 million to go get gumbo with, you know, get all his beignets and all the good food that, that New Orleans brings. Oh, yeah, he's going to pig yeah, out, man. You're talking about him being playing? He's going to start looking like Rodney Rogers <laughs> like at times, man. No, don't disrespect yeah. Rodney Rogers, because he was a solid player, oh, yeah. man, no matter what or, uh, how people uh, perceive him to be. But he, see, Rodney Rogers was really big, man. No, I take that back. I give you a good one. Uh, Got rest of Robert Tractor Trailer. 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 Yeah. Big Just man. Looking like him, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Isn't that eating? Looking like, uh, what's my other dude that passed away? Uh, Escalade from, uh, <laughs> yeah. RP to Escalade yeah, from, man. uh, and one big safe tool. Sitting there eating all the time, man. I'm like, dude, you're gonna do that and keep your well, weight down, dog. <laughs> For real. Because they should feed you. Oh, yeah. He's getting fed, man. So, um, you know, here wrapping it up this has been a great debut here of the price check podcast we'll be coming back here pretty regularly as we get closer to the nba season we'll also you know check in from time to time on some other uh, sports related topics outside of just the nba but for the most part that's going to be what's in our wheelhouse so for all of y'all out there listening thank you for joining us here this first time hope you come back um but on behalf of my man a train lane josh price your host of the price check podcast checking out